This is the Mount Carmel Christian Church Podcast. Today, Senior Minister Dee Dee Bacon will be teaching the message. Greetings and salutations. I've always wanted to say that, so I thought I'd just get it out right now. Glad you're here with us. If you are unaware of this, um, didn't know this, my name is Dee Dee Bacon, and I'm the senior minister here. And it falls upon me to kind of guide us through a conversation, if you'd like, where we will interact with the Word of God as we continue through our series looking at wise words to live by uh, that are found in the book of James. Wise words to live by found in the book of James. I want to thank you for making the decision to join us. You know, when Scripture calls us as believers to gather together, um, you know, the application of that is interesting today. While we gather in person, I also want to let you realize that we're also gathering online. There are folks that are gathering at this time with us uh, online in their homes. And I'm just so thankful for the opportunities we have, the technologies we have to bring us together so that we might gather together and engage in uh, the worship of God, the, engage in the expression of our Christ-based faith. Uh, not only are folks gathering with us live online, but now with technology, they can catch up with us uh, later. And I know there are people who are gathering with us, I personally know, family, friends, that gather with us uh, internationally, which is kind of mind-blowing, isn't it? Speaking of technology, I have to ask a question, a little bit of a survey. How many of you get stressed out when it comes to remembering passwords or putting in the numbers that you're supposed to? Yeah. Uh, Put in your PIN, and you're like... (laughs) Not too long ago, my, my son, I, I, he had an old iPad that he was using. He didn't want to use it anymore, so I wanted to pass it on. And what you do is you have to wipe out everything, all your data and everything else, and put it back to factory original settings. And in order to do that, you have to put in a password. And so uh, I was doing the work. My son was still was at home, and, and I, he told me what he thought the password was. So I was going through the process. I put in what, I thought, what he told me the password was, and boom, password not correct. And then it does something else that really makes me freak out. Nine attempts available. In other words, you've only got ten attempts to get this right, son. Otherwise, this whole thing is going to blow up. That's what I, I felt like it was telling me. So I'm like, Christian, what's the, what's the password? Oh, I think it's it. Da, 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 da. Put it in. Password failed. Eight attempts left. And I'm like starting to sweat. Uh, I literally starting to freak out. My heart rate is going up. No, come on, Christian. Can you remember? I don't remember exactly. How, how about this? Failed. Seven attempts. I couldn't take it. I found him in the house. I said, Christian, you need to, uh, you need to get the right password. You need to figure this out. I, I, I had to walk away. It was, just, it was just stressing me out. Thankfully, he remembered, and he goes, oh, I got it, Dad. And, and I was able to get in. I'm like, oh. I was able to do what I needed to do. Why? Because in order to get into the program, in order to do what I needed to do, I had to have the right code. Same thing happened with us coming into church. We have a church alum, and if you're the first one here, and particularly if you haven't been into the building a while, been on vacation, been away, you come in, you open the door, and you're the first one here, and the box begins to beep. 
And it's like, it's not like a nice, gentle welcome to church and back to work, Didi Beep. It's like, beep, 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 like the bomb is about to blow up unless you get the right numbers. And so you pull the thing down, you go, you put in the number, and then it goes, beep, 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 beep. It's like, oh no, I got the wrong one. And so then you try it again, putting in exactly what you just put in as carefully as you can, off. Still doesn't go off, and by then, I, you know, you start to freak out and start imagining, what am I going to tell the police officer when the, when the alarm goes off, they come by the, the police officer, I am the preacher officer, I promise you, I am the preacher, and, you know, I just forgot my code. Thankfully, you take a deep breath, and beep, 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 put it in, and it goes off, and you're like, oh, yes, I got it down. I get stressed about putting in the right code because it's important that when you uh, put in your code, you do it in the right way for the right results in order to achieve the goals you want to have achieved. Now, I wonder, how many of us have this similar approach when it comes to prayer? We think prayer is putting in the right words in the right sequence in the right way at the right time by the right person, perhaps in order to dial up our blessing. That God is some, ki- some kind of ATM in the sky that if we put in the right words and in the right way at the right time, we'll get the right blessings. How many of you start to stress out when you're praying or you wonder, how am I going to pray in the right way? And, and then the answers aren't coming. You think, oh, no, what have I done? I haven't done it in the correct way. Therefore, it, it's on me. I don't have enough faith. I didn't say the right things. I don't know what to do. God's not hearing me. And we have this notion, this stress that we put on ourselves that we have to approach God in the right way with the right words in order to get the right results. That somehow, prayer is like, like saying magic words. You've got to say it. Correct, and in order to get the spell to work. You're like, Didi, you seem a little extreme on that. Well, am I? How many of you, how many times have I heard, Didi, could you pray for me? Because uh, you're kind of closer to the guy upstairs. (laughs) Really? Somehow that I have this prayer thing done, down, and if I do it, then somehow it gets easier access to God. Or I hear it in this way. Some people, you know, believe that if you don't say at the end of a prayer in the name of Jesus, Jesus said, pray in my name, right? But they say, in Jesus' name, that's, it's, it's like not pushing send on the email button, that it just won't go through, and so they've got to say that. Or, or others, maybe they break into a different language when they, they pray, and they get into old King James, these and thou's, and they have their words, and, and they think that's what they have to use in order to, to engage in prayer. I mean, it's understandable. I mean, televangelists tell us that if we want to get God's blessing and to claim good life, then we have to make a faith pledge. And what's a faith pledge typically? 1999 check to his ministry. But we get the faith pledge, and the thought is is that if you have the faith pledge, you, you do the right things, then you will be guaranteed a blessing. And if you don't get the blessing, well, you probably didn't have enough faith, which means you didn't send enough money, uh, and so we have this notion that prayer is like saying magic words. No wonder the disciples of Jesus said, teach us how to pray. Because this is something that, that is not unique to us in our, unique, in our journey of faith. It's something that I think we've always struggled with, and I know I struggle with. 
and I'm sure you do too. How do I pray in the right way in order to get the right results? And, and ultimately, that's an assumption that prayer is saying magic words. But the Bible tells us that prayer is not saying magic words. It's not upon you and the quality and the depth of your faith. Prayer is about the object of your faith. And the power of prayer is not the things you say, but the one whom you trust and believe and speak to, the God of the universe, who has provided those of us who are far away the ability to be near through faith in Jesus. As one of the writers of Scripture says, He has given us access to the throne room so that we may enter in with confidence. We may enter in knowing that it's not on us to be perfect, but instead it's from us to speak out and ask what we need. And so we're traveling through this journey of wise words to live by through the letter of James. And uh, right at the beginning of the series, remember James, uh, we were introduced to James. Tim told us that James is the brother of Jesus. He's a son of Mary and Joseph, lived in Nazareth with the other brothers and sisters. And we're not sure when James makes his commitment to believe in Jesus as his Lord and Savior, but we do know that it's probably after Jesus raises from the dead, and we find that James becomes, we, we learn of James, the brother of Jesus, becomes one of the chief shepherds of the church. Some may say he was the chief elder of the church at Jerusalem, which was like the mother church of the New Testament church in the early days. And James writes his letter really as a, under the theme of this is how you're to live for God in this world. You could say James's letter is New Testament wisdom, living by God's word and following God's will in the world today for the right results, living right for God. And so James is filled with various uh, instruction on, on how to live for God, and one of those instructions, praise the Lord, is, is on prayer, on how we are to approach prayer. And what we discover in James is that James teaches that prayer is actually an extension of living by faith. In fact, prayer is faith in action. It's not passive. It's very active and very much to be a part of our lives. Now, if you read through James, what you'll discover is that chapter 1 is really like an introduction, and in chapter 1, James highlights a number of the topics that he will dive into deeper later in the chapter. And so, if you would follow along with me, what we do is, we're, I'm going to read some scripture here, and what I'm going to encourage you to do is, look, the Word of God was intended to be heard. Uh, originally in, in the church, uh, the Word of God was not meant to be read by everybody. No, the Word of God was meant to be heard in the public forum. Not saying you're not to study and spoken out loud. So just take a moment. We as one group, those of you that are gathering with us online, let's all just go through this together and listen to what God's Word has to say to us through James chapter 1 verse 5, regarding prayer. He says this, if any of you lacks wisdom, if any of you have a lack in your life, wisdom, you should what? Ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. 
James introduces the topic of prayer by simply saying, look, we have access to God, and when you pray, when you ask God for something specific, like wisdom, you need to approach Him not doubting. Now, when we start talking about doubting, the way we think of doubting, many times we start thinking, well, this is a, a faith, a believer versus an unbeliever. A person who doubts is an unbeliever. A person that, that has faith is a believer. That is not the context here. He is writing to people of faith like you and me. And so, he's writing to people of faith who already believe in God and are asking God for things like wisdom and he's giving counsel on how we're to approach God and how we're to, to, to leave it with God. And he says, when you pray, do not doubt. Doubt here simply means to be second-guessing, to second-guess in your prayers. When you pray, don't second-guess. Don't second-guess what you're asking for, and don't second-guess the God whom you're requesting. I don't know about you, but second-guessing is something I struggle with in prayer. When I pray and I ask God for something, I, I second-guess Him sometimes because, uh, to be honest, um, I don't think He moves quick enough, and I try to muscle in and get it done. That's a form of second-guessing. Hey, Lord, please help me with this, and oh, by the way, if you need assistance, I'm right here. Oh, and by the way, oh, I'm doing that. Or the prayers we offer, when we ask God to fulfill what we want, we say, I follow the Lord, but really what we mean is we live, we do what we want, and we ask God to, to bless it. That's second-guessing. I second-guess when, when I ask God for something and the answer doesn't come quickly or doesn't seem to have an answer right away. I stop wondering what's going on and is God, believe, is, is God hearing me and, and, and maybe I need to step in and fill the void of what needs to be done and try to muscle it on my own. How many of you, I second God, tell me if you don't relate to this, I second guess God when I get the answer and I don't like it, <laughs> right? I get the answer and I don't like it. Lord, uh, I think I need to grow in patience, but why did you have to give me that coworker that is driving me nuts? You see what I'm saying? James says, when you ask God in prayer, don't second guess. Don't undermine your faith in God by trying to do it on your own and simply lay it before God and trust that He is able, capable, and whatever answer He provides, you will live in that place with Him. Now, as I said, in James, we have introduction to the topics, and then we have an expansion of that topic later on. And the expansion on this conversation about prayer is found in, in chapter 5. And let's, let's kind of listen to what he says regarding prayer, some more insight. Don't second guess when you pray. Here's verse 13 of chapter 5. He says, if, is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith, you know, the anointing of oil is, is really a demonstration, a, a visual picture of what prayer is all about. The oil doesn't heal. It's the prayer in faith that heals. And the prayer offered in faith will make the person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Now, let me just stop here. Understand what he means by a righteous person. 
A righteous person in, the, in, in our faith journey is a person who's being made right with God. How are we made right with God? Through faith in Jesus, right? Through our commitment to live by faith in Jesus. We're not right by our own merit and by our own power and by our own depth of faith. No, a righteous person is a person made right with God through Jesus who has been given the privilege, the honor to have access to the throne room of God so that he or she may be able to present the requests in prayer to him. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being. He's going to give an example from their scriptures. He was a powerful human, even as we are. He was a human being, just like us. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. Now, the story of Elijah is captured for us if you want to read it. It's a fantastic story. It's one of my favorite stories in the Scriptures. It's captured in 1 Kings 17 and 18. It's a story about Elijah, prophet of God, who's sent by God to communicate to the people of Israel a message. Hey, you've abandoned God and you're worshiping idols. Repent from your ways. You're not listening? Okay, I'm going to get you your attention. I'm going to, according to God, I'm going to pray that, that, we, that we have a drought. The drought comes, three and a half years. If you're in a, a Gregorian society, that is a society based on agriculture, a drought not only makes people hungry, it totally kills the economy. A drought means depression. A drought means bad days. And so the people of Israel's God, their, their attention is captured, and, and, it, and it culminates in a big confrontation between Elijah and the, the many prophets of Baal, the, the idolatry of the day, and a big, big, quite glorious thing that happens on the top of Mount Carmel. And after that, the people of God say, we believe in God. We are returning to, to God. He's our God. And at that point, we're told that Elijah goes and he prays and rain returns, and God answers his prayer. And the example of Elijah is simply this. God is showing us that when we pray, we need to get specific. Ask for what you want. Right? If you are in trouble, what? Pray regarding that trouble. If you are sick, what? Ask the elders to pray. Pray. Ask God for healing. When you're going through the difficulties of life, Identify them and bring them before God. I think a lot of our problems, not only in our prayer life, but also in our regular life, a lot of our problems stem from the fact that we do not say what we want specifically. How many marriages get into trouble because one person in the marriage is not happy and will not vocalize, will not detail what the problem is? And so they don't speak it and they don't speak it, and things go along, things go along, things go along, and all of a sudden, they start acting out in ways that are totally destructive to that marriage, simply because they didn't have the courage to say exactly what was going on with them, even though it may be hard. Part of our problem in life is something that we do not clearly, concisely say what we want, what we're thinking in our marriages, in our parenting, in our jobs, in our friendships. And in our prayers. James says when you pray, pray without doubt, and pray regarding the specifics of your life. Because prayer is faith in action, and our faith is lived in our day-to-day. So talk to God about the specifics. 
How did Jesus say? Don't be like the pagans who babble on and on and on with a bunch of words, trying to besiege God with the right combination of words that will unlock the blessing. Don't be like the, the hypocrite uh, religious leaders who think by their, their, their prowess and fancy words that somehow they have special access. No. When you pray, use few words. Go to the closet. Do it in private and simply bring your request to God. When you pray, what was the Lord's prayer? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, right? What do you say when it comes to your needs? Give us this day our daily bread. How basic is that? If you're hungry, ask for food. If you need a job, ask for a job. If you're struggling with disease, pray about that. Let's stay away from the vagaries of our, Lord, please bless our life. Lord, please help our marriage to be happy. Lord, please help these things in generalities. No, ask in specifics. Do the work of saying what you want to God in your prayer as specifically and as concisely and as clearly as you can. One more thing to add, and this doesn't come from James, but it also it comes from another piece of wisdom literature. I've been uh, just working through uh, the book of Ecclesiastes in my God times in the morning. And Ecclesiastes was written by a man named Solomon, who was the son of David, who was the one who was blessed with wisdom. Some say he was the wisest man in the world. And Ecclesiastes is thought to be written by Solomon towards the second part of his life. He's a middle-aged, older guy, kind of relate to that. And, and really, you read Ecclesiastes, it's kind of it's depressing because he's at the point where, hey, I tried everything, got everything, all of life's pleasures, and it's all meaningless because we're all going to die. Rich and poor, going to die. But his conversation regarding the meaning of life really ends in the right place. Hey, all we're called to do is honor God with what we, what we have in the, the details of his life. And one of the insights that he shares is something that really I'd never seen before, and it hit me, and it's just perfect when it comes to this conversation about prayer, and it marries wonderfully, as always, harmoniously with James teaches. Ecclesiastes chapter 5. Listen to what he says. Now, he's talking to Israelites who had centered their worship at the temple in Jerusalem. So you traveled to Jerusalem, you went to the temple in order to offer sacrifice or to connect or to pray to, with God. That's how they did it then. Today, we don't have to go to Jerusalem. Why? Because the Spirit of God is being given to us as a gift through Jesus Christ, and the church, we are the temple of God. God's access is personal and universal to all people and all ge geographical locations, right? So the church is not limited to a building anymore. It's, 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 in, the it's in people. God's dwelling is in the people, and we can have access. We can, we can pray to God just where we are. But anyway, the principle is still the same. He says, guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Go near to listen rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools who do not know that they do wrong. Do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. God is in heaven and you are on earth, so let your words be few. When you go to God, be mindful of what you are going to say to Him. When you go to prayer, realize that it's better to use a few words than many. Why? 
because of who you're talking to. You are talking to the king of the universe. You're talking to the all-consuming fire. Yes, we have the privilege of access to, to, to be able to, 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 for us to hear, to talk to God, but, but understand that when you talk to God, you're not just talking to nobody or your pal or, you know, somebody you can manipulate to get something out of. You're talking to God. And so be mindful, be thoughtful, consider what you're going to say. Let your words rather than be few than continue to babble on and on and on about stuff that's going to get you into trouble. Here's what I think about it. Those of your parents, those of you that are parents, when your kid comes to you and asks for something and they carry on and on and on, I confess, I get suspicious. Like, what do you want? Right? Really? What, what's going on? I'm like, Spit it out. I have a saying, land the plane. You've buzzed the tower four times. Land the plane. Tell me what you want. Why? Because I'm your dad. You've come to me. You've come to me as your dad, as one that you believe has resources, be able to meet the need that you have, to provide the counsel that you're requiring, to provide the insight that you need. And I understand everyone processes differently. People talk. But eventually, ask for what you want. Be mindful of what you say. And when you do, guess what? Then I can respond to that. In the same way, when we go to God, He says, look, be thoughtful about your prayers. Be mindful of who you're talking about. What does He say at the end of this? Ecclesiastes? God is in heaven. You are on earth. Ye, he is God. You are not. Remember your place. Approach God in that way. When you pray, do not be double-minded. Do not second-guess. When you pray, talk in specifics. And when you pray, remember who you're talking to. Now, I don't know how this came about, but some time ago, my mom and I were in a conversation years ago, and what came out of the conversation I remember, but I don't know who to give credit for for phrasing this phrase regarding prayer. So I'm going to say it, my mom came out with it because she's older, and, you know, that's good. And, and so here's the, here's the phrase. When asking for a bike, if you're going to ask God for a bike, ask for a red one. If you're going to pray for a bike, pray for a red one. What do I mean by that? Well, I think that captures everything that we're talking about. Regarding prayer, if you're going to ask for a bike, that means you're going to uh, be focused and you're not going to second guess. This is what I need, Lord. But also, you're going to have confidence not being a wave tossed back and forth because you're confident in the one you're asking and you're asking for a red one. Why are you asking for a red one? Because that's what you want. That's what you need. That's what you, you, you specifically thought about. If he gives you a green one, you'll accept it. But hey, if I'm going to ask the God who provides all things, why not? A red one with a little bell would be nice. <laughs> that doesn't have a seat that kills you. Anyway, if you're going to pray for a bike, pray for a red one. That acknowledges that God is the provider of all things and can provide you a red one. What would happen if we started praying red bike prayers? Well, according to James, our prayers are powerful and effective. The prayers will be honored by God. Prayer is faith in action. Prayer is a, a demonstration, a a way to walk with God. 
And we have an awesome privilege as Jesus followers to have access to God. In that access, prayer is the means by which God works in our lives and works in our world. If you're going to ask for a bike, ask for a red one. What would happen in our marriages if we started to approach praying for our marriages that way? What would happen in our families, in our children, in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods, in our country? If we started praying those bold red bike prayers, what would happen with this stinking virus if we started to pray some bold red bike prayers? I'm going to do an exercise. For those of you online with us, those of us that are here, let's, 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 let's do an exercise. I'm going to open in prayer, lead us all in prayer, and I'm going to ask and invite you to join us. And remember, prayer is not about the size of your faith. I hear people, oh, I can't talk to God because I'm so bad. Look, it's not about your faith and the quality of your faith. It's about the object of your faith. You remember that story about the mustard seed that Jesus said? That's what he was getting at. It's in the one whom you're addressing. And so I'm going to ask, we're going to take a moment, we're going to op- I'm going to open up, but then I'm going, to, I'm going to kind of set it up where there's going to be a moment of quiet, and I'm going to ask that you mention one thing that has been heaviest on your heart and make it a red bike prayer. Be specific about what you want to pray about. Name names, identify diseases, put to words the struggles, the things to overcome. Pray a red bike prayer. And then I'm going to close us together, and after we close, we'll take communion together, those of you that would like to join us at this time. Let's pray. Lord, we acknowledge that you are God, and this is an honor and privilege that we have to, to have access to you. Through faith in Jesus, we believe that Jesus has made a way for us to be right. Through his death on the cross and through his resurrection out of the tomb, And our faith is alive and active and your spirit is with us so that we might be able to know that you are close and that we can share with you uh, the burdens of our hearts. And so, Lord, we would like to pray about, we'll just mention it each individually too, but we want to bring these things to you and ask that you would hear us. We're going to try to be as specific as we can. We're going to try to be as, as concise as we can. We're going to trust you, Lord. We're going to trust that you uh, will hear us, and we're going to relax in knowing that you will, 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 will respond and that in that we will be, need the faith and strength to continue to follow you. So, Lord, right now, here, here's, here's things that are hard. We're going to take a moment to be quiet and to lift that up to you in, in our quiet.
Lord, I'm thankful that uh, you hear the requests, the asks of your children, your people. And while I uh, obviously we're not happy about the situation with viruses and just the turmoil of our nation, I am thankful for how the circumstances force many, I know myself, many to be more fervent in prayer, more focused in prayer, more uh, likely to pray red bike prayers. I'm thankful for the prayer requests we receive on a weekly basis and the details shared that provide uh, narrative words that we can offer up to you specifically on the behalf of, of people of faith who share that. And thank you, Lord, that you are the God who is able. Love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. You can find out more about us on the web at mtcarmelchurch.org.